Before I get started this morning, I want to thank you all for your kind cards and prayers. It means so much to be among such beautiful brothers and sisters. Well, good morning, church. I hope everyone had a wonderful time this holiday. And I thought I'd start this morning with a story of a Sunday school teacher in a community church who had been telling her class about the birth of Jesus. The teacher then asked, who do you think the most important woman in the Bible is? Well, little Johnny raised his hand and said, Eve. Surprised, the teacher asked him why he thought Eve was the most important woman in the Bible. Johnny replied, well, they named two days of the year after Eve, Christmas Eve, New Year's Eve. If you would turn in your Bibles this morning with me to the book of Philippians. What do you think when you think of New Year's Eve? What do you think about? That is, what does New Year's Eve mean to you? Well, on this New Year's Eve, which is today, of course, I invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3, and we'll look at two verses there, verses 13 and 14, as we contemplate New Year's Eve. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi, and he's writing about his own past. He says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. As we know, the Apostle Paul had a past that was dismal in comparison to a lot of the pasts that we who are here this morning have. In fact, I would dare say that most of us have a relatively timid and tame past compared to the Apostle Paul. Paul was one of the men at the stoning of Stephen, and they laid their garments at his feet and then picked up rocks and killed Stephen as he was preaching about Jesus Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13, Paul, in describing his own behavior, said, I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent man. And then he says, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And in Galatians 1 and 13, Paul writes, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. We hear about people today who do some horrible things to churches, and we just shake our heads in disbelief that someone would behave like that. And yet here is Paul openly confessing that at one point in his life, that is exactly who he was, a man who tried to destroy the church. 
It would have been easy, I imagine, for Paul to wallow in self-pity and to think about how terrible his life had been and how awful he was to the people that he now called brothers and sisters. No doubt that plagued his mind at times, and he did write about it on occasion. But Jesus helped him overcome all those things of his past. He became a very powerful gospel preacher and wrote numerous letters to congregations. We now have those letters in several books in the New Testament, and we can turn to those for solace and comfort in times of difficulty and trouble precisely because the Apostle Paul had those experiences. When Paul wrote those words in Philippians chapter 3, I strongly suspect he was thinking about all the things that had happened in his past. He says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Those words should be a wonderful encouragement to everyone. Let them be our guide for our thoughts this New Year's Eve morning. Looking at Paul's words, I find three things I would like us to consider. First, I'm going to forget the things that are behind me. Second, I'm going to reach forward to the things that are ahead. Third, I'm going to press toward the goal. Let's take these things one at a time and see how we can accomplish them. First, on New Year's Eve, I will forget the things that are behind me. Now, when Paul said forget, he didn't mean forget everything. Obviously, he did not forget everything literally. We, in fact, do not forget the negative events in our life. They tend to haunt us from time to time. David certainly did not forget his sin with Bathsheba. He wrote about it in Psalm 51. Moses did not forget the sins of his people in the wilderness. He wrote about that in Psalm 90. We use these past experiences to learn from so that we can grow. When Paul says, forgetting about the things which are behind, what does he mean by that? Well, I suggest he means that I forget in the sense that I stop letting those things affect my identity. That is, I am not going to let my past define me. That is not who I am. Instead, I'm going to be defined in the present and in the future with the identity of Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians 2 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That is my identity as a Christian. I could point to numerous things, I suppose, in my own past and say, look at the horrible thing I did here. Look at this terrible deed that I committed. Look at all these horrible things that I said, and all that could be brought against me. Well, I have no doubt that Satan wants me to bring those things up, and he wants to bring them against me. He is the great accuser, after all. 
Jesus Christ does not want me to identify with those things because he knows that I am something greater than the past sins that I have committed. In fact, I am a person made in the image of God and redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, and that is what defines me today. That is why the Apostle Paul writes and understood very well what he was writing because of his own past. When he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 at verse 16, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we no longer know him. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. How fantastic it is to understand that I am a new creation in Christ and that my old sins do not identify me, but rather Christ is my identity, forgetting the things which are behind. When we are forgiven, God forgets those past things. We don't, we tend to hang on to them. Occasionally we will slip into a pity party and moan and groan about our past. But God does not remember those things. He forgets the things that have been forgiven. In Psalm 103, verse 12, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, so far he removed our transgressions from us. In Jeremiah 31, at verse 34, he says, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sins I will remember no more. God forgets the forgiven past. He will again have compassion on us, and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depth of the sea. Micah 7 and 19. God does not hold those things against the forgiven Christian, though we often hold them against ourselves. On this New Year's Eve, let us resolve to leave the past in the past and forget the things which are behind by not letting those things create our identity. Let us do as Paul says, and as we forget the things that are behind, we should also look forward to what is ahead of us. So second, on this New Year's Eve, I will reach forward to the things that are ahead. Forgiveness enables us to go forward. If we did not have forgiveness, we would be weighed down with our sins, and there wouldn't be anything we could do about that. There would never be any hope for us if we did not have forgiveness. But as Christians, we do have forgiveness. And because we have forgiveness, our identity is not tied to our past. We can look forward to the things that are ahead. With forgiveness, we have a clean slate. I'm sure when you were in school, you had a chalkboard or a whiteboard, depending on age group you're in. We would take chalk and write on the chalkboard or take a marker and write on the whiteboard. And after a while and all that writing, the whiteboard would get kind of dark. 
and the blackboard or chalkboard would look a little gray. You could tell that it had been used repeatedly because of the tint of the board. And then we would have to clean those boards. It would get so dirty. We would take a sponge and clean water and wash the chalkboard or a special cleaning fluid and clean the whiteboard and then wipe it down. I remember the whiteboards looked brand new after cleaning and you couldn't tell that anything had ever been written on them. At that point, it was a clean slate, as we like to say, perfectly clean, like new. Maybe some teachers have come back from summer break and seen how clean and spotless the blackboards or whiteboards are, if they could only stay that way. With God, we can stay that way. With forgiveness, we have a clean slate and it stays clean. It's like that clean water or special cleaning fluid I talked about, <coughs> metaphorically speaking. It's the blood of Christ, non-metaphorically speaking, that cleanses our sins and wipes them away completely and entirely so we have a fresh, clean, new start. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in, those, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Psalm 32, verses 1 and 2. Romans 4, and verses 7 and 8 says it this way. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute sin. What does that mean? It means we can start fresh without the guilt of our sin holding us back we can reach forward to engage in the mission that Christ has called us to do, to seek and save the lost. Luke 19, verse 10. Jesus wants us to focus on that mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. How can I do that when I have such a horrible past? How can I do that when I have committed so many sins? You can do it because God says you're forgiven and we can go forward. Oh, but they'll think I'm a hypocrite. Well, folks, it doesn't matter what they think. God says you're forgiven. That means we can engage in the work that God has called us to do without reservation. It does not matter what other people think, it only matters what God thinks. God wants us to engage in the work to fulfill the mission, to make disciples of all nations, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, Mark 16, verses 15 through 16. We reach forward in fellowship and in unity that we have together with one another in the body of Christ, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Why do we engage in the mission of evangelism? Well, it's to bring others into the body of Christ so that they may have the wonderful blessings we experience as well. The fellowship that we have with God, with Christ, 
and with one another. This is the point that Paul makes in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 11, when he says, Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been made near by the blood of Christ. We have been brought near to fellowship with God's people for he is our peace. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of division between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. What is Paul saying? He's saying at one time God only worked with the nation of Israel, and that was his primary focus. He had a covenant relationship with that nation, but he did not have such a relationship with all the other nations. Then in Christ, all the other nations, the Gentile nations, have been brought near to the covenant relationship that God had with Israel through Abraham. It's no longer the case that physical Israel is God's chosen special people, but anyone who through faith and obedience would come to Christ, accept the purchase of their souls by his blood, be baptized into him, identify with him, they can come near as well. They can be reconciled. He made peace, you see, with all of these. God wants everyone to have peace with him. He wants everyone to be part of the body of Christ so that we would no longer be strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. What then is our task as we reach forward? Paul in his first letter to the Corinthians wrote in chapter three, starting at verse six, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. They were one in mutual love and respect for each other, one in purpose, one in status as God's servants, and one in their reliance upon the Lord who would reward both. Between us, we have the work of visiting, giving, preaching, encouraging, uplifting, helping each other grow in knowledge and understanding and countless other jobs to make sure that the church and its work is successful. For that to happen, we first must all work together and each do what they can to help. On this New Year's Eve, let us resolve to reach forward to the things that are ahead 
engaging in the mission that Christ has brought for us to do and engaging in the fellowship he wants us to participate in. As we are busy doing God's will, what he has for us to do, we also should look forward to what is ahead. So third, on this New Year's Eve, I will press toward the goal. We all have a common destiny. In 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Peter talks about this destiny. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. What is that common destiny? It's this inheritance, this incorruptible inheritance. It's this place that does not fade away. It's this hope of being in heaven together forever with God and Christ and all the saints. Now, Paul writes about this destination in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I'll start at verse 13. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by word of the Lord, that we who are alive will remain and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. We have a great destiny awaiting us and we press toward the goal of that wonderful destiny. This common destiny encourages us to keep going toward that goal, and it should motivate us to encourage others to as well. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, for example, and think about the great encouragement that we have. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The inward man is renewed day by day. A Christian is not overly disturbed by the erosion and decay of physical life, because their soul is feasting on that bread which came down from heaven, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Our inner spiritual life, which is the glory of the new creature in Christ, 
does not diminish or fade. For those who were without this treasure, the decay of the outward is the decay of everything. When Paul writes our light affliction, he does not mean literally that they are in any sense light, except in comparison with the ultimate glory of Christians, they are light. We have working for us a far more enduring weight of glory, and that's what we're waiting for. That is what we are anticipating. That is what we're hoping for. That's what encourages us to move forward. The Apostle Paul, after talking about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, talks about the wonderful spiritual body that we're going to have when Christ comes back again. He talks about the fact that Christ was raised from the dead and is the first fruits of our expectation of being raised from the dead as well. He ends that chapter talking about how Christ has overcome death with victory and that we have that victory as well. And then he says this, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. We press toward the goal because we anticipate the second coming of Jesus. I notice in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, at verse 4, it says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not sons of night or darkness, he continues. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. We anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ. We look for it. We expect it. We have placed in it all our hope. On this New Year's Eve, let each of us resolve to press toward that goal. The Apostle Paul's words in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 are so full of meaning, precisely because Paul had a past, a very serious past, and because he had been forgiven of his sins, he could press forward to those things that are ahead. He could press forward to the goal. Brethren, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press toward the goal of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us resolve to do that very thing this new year. Forget the things that are behind. Don't let those things identify you. <clears throat> Excuse me. Reach forward to the things that are ahead, focusing on the mission that has called us, Christ has called us to do. Focusing on the fellowship he wants us to engage in and pressing toward the goal. 
letting the hope of heaven and the resurrection inspire and motivate us to move forward into the new year unabated with the cares and difficulties of the past with confidence and joy and peace and love for one another. Do you need the forgiveness that only Christ can give? Do you need the hope of a wonderful future unburdened by the sins of your past? Why not identify with Christ today? Become his by hearing his word and believing it, repenting of your sins, confessing him as Lord and baptized, being baptized to identify with him and have your sins forgiven. Having done that, you too can reach forward as you go into the new year. I couldn't think of a better way for someone to put behind the old year and to start the new year than identifying with Christ Jesus in baptism. If you need to do that, we stand ready to help you. If you need the prayers of the church to put aside those old sins and to reach forward toward that which is new, then now is a good time to ask for those prayers as well. We will pray with you and for you that the old things can be put away because Christ makes all things new. Why not give your life to him today while we stand and while we sing? <laughs>